Dawn. It's your good friend, Wendy, and you're listening to the Reaching Out with Reach podcast. This is the show that brings you discussions and topics surrounding our community, prevention, and recovery. All right, today we have Tom Kowatch joining us, and he is the Director of School Programs at Reach. Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for coming on the show. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Reach? So as the director of school programs, essentially, I coordinate the different uh, outreach education uh, partnership initiatives that we do with um, various school districts. We serve pretty much all of Ellis and Johnson County, and we work with pretty much all the school districts in those counties um, in some capacity or other. Sometimes we do um, one-time events, one-time presentations, different activities, um, sometimes that could be, uh, things during red ribbon week, which is a big, uh, um, week about talking about drug prevention and making healthy choices. Um, then that can also look like curriculums, which are multi-session evidence-based programs. Um, but essentially that's, that's kind of the, the, the general summary of what we do and how that works. And you're going into what kind of schools at these districts? So we do all levels. Um, so kinder basically through high school. Now, uh, in most of the elementary schools, so kinder through fifth in most of the schools that we work with, um, a lot of those schools like our, our small group um, prevention curriculums. Um, so we we basically work with the schools, work with the parents, work with teachers, um, and they can make recommendations on uh, their, their students that they think would benefit from a little extra time uh, working in a small group with other other students, um, just working on things like decision making, setting goals, making healthy choices, um, what healthy relationships look like and managing your emotions in, in a positive way. Um, so that's one of the primary uh, services we provide to the elementary schools on a consistent basis. Then for our middle schools and junior highs, um, we have a, a different type of curriculum that focuses also on life skills. So same kinds of general concepts, decision-making, healthy relationships, managing emotions. Um, but then it also has a, a more informational educational component added onto it that does go over um, how specific substances of misuse and abuse can have a negative impact on um, students' goals, on um, on how on their relationships, um, on on, and, and it's just basically the goal is to help them understand how um, substances uh, that that can have these negative effects can impact them now and in the future, and how they can affect other people. Um, then in the high school, it's it's basically a similar program to what's in the middle schools, just age appropriate for high school students. And then we also work a lot with um, the alternative school programs and provide services for um, the kiddos in those those um, schools as well. That's awesome. So it sounds like you're doing a lot of prevention for, you know, at least the middle school up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me more, tell me more about that. Yeah. So, so prevention in general, um, I mean, it's pretty much what most people think when you, when you hear the word prevention. Um, it, it's basically trying to build up, um, we call them protective factors. Um, it's trying to build up more of those protective factors. The more protective factors you have, the more likely you are to um, make healthy choices and avoid unhealthy choices. Um, and then it, the goal is to also reduce um, risk factors. 
And those risk factors are things that um, tend to make it more likely that someone um, will choose to get involved in, in some of the, the, the potentially harmful um, lifestyle choices. Um, so the prevention um, educates, informs, um, creates uh, hopefully positive environments where um, students, youth, family can um, be equipped to make good, healthy choices and and ideally we, we're looking to prevent that behavior um, before it becomes an ongoing issue that requires treatment recovery and things like that. Yeah. So you mentioned something about risk and protective services or factors. What What is that? Right. So protective factors are, there's a lot of different examples, but basically these are the positive characteristics, the positive environmental factors around you, the positive um, positive influences that, that are going to be around youth, family, communities. Um, so, you know, some, some individual examples of, of um, uh, protective factors can be things like a positive self-image, um, self-regulation and control. So that ability to, to manage your emotions, that ability to consider your choices, um, and then um, social, the, the ability to be uh, interactive in a social setting. Um, so those can be examples of some types of um, individual protective factors. Um, so then the flip side of that might be a, an individual risk factor would be something like um, if there's a genetic predisposition um, to, to the to, to certain um to the influence that certain substances can have, um, you know, there's lots of research out there that shows how some people are more susceptible to addiction or or um, substances of abuse having a, a greater uh, impact than than maybe for others. Um, the 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 environment around that person. So if others in the family unit are using substances, using alcohol. Um, you know, that increases the chances that the youth um, might might be involved with it as well. Um, if if the, the individual um, doesn't have or has poor impulse control skills, that's that's another individual risk factor. So, you know, it's working really hard to balance those. You know, we want as many protective factors out there as we can. Um, and, and the greater the protective factors, the more protective factors there are, the better equipped individuals, families, communities are to make healthy choices. Um, some more examples of other protective factors could be things like um, positive parental involvement, um, you know, parents that, you know, they, they talk a lot about how much the impact of just sitting down for dinner with your family, talking about your day, asking kids about the day, um, kids asking their parents about their work and what they do. Um, but just that, that interaction, that consistent interaction, um, just simple things like that have been shown to make a, a huge positive impact. Um, another one that uh, gets a lot of uh, attention in, in, in the prevention world is, is peer disapproval of substance use um, as, as a protective, protective factor. So the peer group that youth are in um, can have a lot of influence over the choices that individuals will make. So if you're in a peer group, so if the friends, the people that are around you um, don't find it acceptable um, or positive to be using substances, alcohol, drugs, tobacco products, um, vapes, things like that, um, that has that that's a positive protective factor. Um, and then there's the flip side. If, if you know, the peer group that you're around um, doesn't have a disapproval or has a view that is not concerned. There's a lack of of harm 
involved mm-hmm. associated with with the substance then it um it it, it it increases that risk factor um so that's kind of that flip side if that that's why it talks about you know the people you hang out with can have an influence over the choices you make um so that that, that kind of ties into then the curriculums that we implement um as far as you know it's, it's not what some of us grew up with you know maybe in the 80s and 90s when it was more fear-based tactics mm-hmm. um, when it was more of you know don't do this these are the horrible things that will happen to you if you do this um, because you know when, when we did the research and saw the outcomes of those types of programs um, they, they had they could have some potential positive effects you know because you are informing and educating um, but when that's the focus um, it, it tends to actually those that experience it or see that type of substance misuse, um, they don't see all of those really scary things happening all the time. So they start to think, oh, well, the messaging I was receiving isn't accurate. It's not true. So it's probably not going to happen to me because, I mean, I have this person that I know that uses the substance and these horrible things that the the, the other, the, the, the presenter, the teacher came and told me about aren't happening. So when it's fear-based, it just, it tends to, to sometimes it can, it can, have the, the opposite effect of what we're hoping for. So with, with the education and curriculum that, that we currently use and what prevention shot, um, science has shown us now is the importance of really building up those protective factors, really building up those skills that, that again, can enable us, um, that can enable our, our, our youth and our families to make positive, healthy choices. Um, some other examples that you can see like in a community setting um, for, for a protective factor is uh, things like available after school activities, um, you know, having having positive, healthy activities that youth can get involved in that that um, and, and enable them again to, to to do things that they enjoy, that their peer groups enjoy um, without feeling the need to seek out riskier behaviors. Um so, 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 and then another example too would be low perceptions of um, um, usage um, of substances. Because I mean, that's one thing that we we talk about when we go into our schools is we ask our our youth, how how, how many of you believe that the majority of people in your school in your grade level use alcohol, for example? Um, and a lot of times, you're, you're going to see an overestimation of of what um, the youth think. And, and what really the, the reality is. Um, so that, that can factor into, again, that, that social norm acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, if we think that everyone else is doing it, it feels easier for, for us to do it. Um, but if we think no one else is doing it, if it's not socially acceptable, um, then that, that, has a, that can have an influence that we're less likely to want to try it, to partake, to, to get involved in it. So you know, that's, that's a big part, again, of the awareness and the the curriculum that we're trying to implement is trying to, you know, show kids that um, majority of your peers are not using these substances. Um, now, those trends can change over time. It can vary by grades. It can vary by a lot of different factors, but still the majority are, are not. So that's, that's become another component of what prevention's kind of shifting towards is really trying to focus on those positive outcomes as opposed to you know, we know there's concerns out there. We know there's concerns with vaping. We know there's a huge concern with opioids and fentanyl. Those are all very concerning, dangerous substances that have some very negative health effects that, um, 
you know, are, are frightening it and um, our calls for concern and are things that absolutely need to be addressed and um, are, are, are being addressed. At the same time, when we look at it from the prevention standpoint and trying to curb or prevent those behaviors, focusing more on that positive, that the majority of people aren't doing this. The majority of people are making healthy choices. They are um, choosing healthy lifestyles. They are choosing to make decisions that will impact them and their family and their peers in a positive way now and in the future. Focusing more on that messaging um, is something that there's being there there's more and more of a shift going towards. And, and I think it's a very good shift. And I think it's something that um, you know, I think our our, our society and country can use that breath of fresh air yeah. um, of positivity in, in that regard. Um, and so then one other kind of example of, of, a, of a positive um, protective factor um, is is uh, on a more environmental societal level um, is limiting um, availability of substances. And this is where local ordinances, this is where certain laws can come into play. Um, if, if, you know, the legal age of something is 21, um, and if that law is enforced, then access to that substance is more difficult. So mm-hmm. simply making access more difficult has has an effect on um, not only people's ability to get that substance, but their perception of that substance. Um, so that's why there that's why there is a push to have you know smoke free counties, smoke free states. Uh, um, yeah, that's why there are the the enforcement of um, carding um, for tobacco products. Um, because that's been shown quite clearly to have a have a positive effect in reducing substance misuse. Um, again, the flip side of that is that if those laws are in place but are not in force, um, that that's a risk factor because um, you know there, there there's some sometimes laws are there um, but they're not always um, followed through with, mm-hmm. and, and that can actually have counter not only just counter the effect of it but actually um, reduce that perception of harm. And that reduced perception of harm, um, again, goes in line with having an influence that can make um, youth use more likely or family use to more likely. So, yeah, that's a, that's kind of what we're looking at a lot of times when we when we talk about risk and protective factors. And they're, they're key components of, of um, prevention services and um, how we get prevention services to, to work and our, how our evidence based practices are they're, they're based a lot on those risks and protective factors. Um, I really like the part that you said that, um, you know, back when we were younger, it was more fear based and now things are more in- information based. And I I really like that that's what we're leaning towards with this, um, you know, this generation, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and I'll be I'll be one of the first people to say that the fear based stuff worked for me. You know, <laughs> I, I, I remember, you know, having the police officer come in and tell me about um the, the things that can happen if you become addicted and overdose and mm-hmm. it, it terrified me. Um, now, you know, you can look at, there's probably a lot of other factors that went into my perception of that. You know, my, you know, my family's, you know, were, were not, they didn't use alcohol, they didn't use any of these substances that they had very much had that, that messaging was already kind of planted mm-hmm. in me on the family level. Um, but that, again, that just kind of goes to show you the impact that families can have. Yeah. Um, and, and families are the, I, I strongly believe, and, and I think the research backs it up where it says, you know, families are pretty much the, the strongest influence on, um, uh, on youth's um, 
choices in a lot of ways. Definitely the, the, the impact that um, substances can have on those choices. You know, the example that you set for your children, um, that's that's going to be one of the biggest, biggest factors that are going to influence um, what your children do. Um, now, it's not the only one. You know, there's there, there's plenty of examples of that as well. But the the more likely, the the more of a consistent messaging and um, example of action um, mm-hmm. that that a youth has from their parents. Um, they don't just say don't do this, but the 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 parent doesn't do it um, as well. It, it it that's that's a that's a major major component in in, in the influence that it's going to have on on kids' choices. And that's just not about substance use. That's across the board. Yeah, um, by with, example, with, you know, exactly, exactly. So it's it's a lot of these tenets that I think you know we we talk about, we have in mind, we consider. We've been taught ourselves and we've been taught these things throughout much of humanity. You know, sometimes we just have to be reminded of, um, you know, how simple it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not always be easy, but it can it can definitely be pretty simple. So I'm just curious, what kind of feedback or results are you seeing from doing the uh, curriculum in schools? Sure. So uh, one of the things that how we evaluate um the, the effectiveness of the programs is that um, for it to be evidence-based, you have to um, be able to evaluate um, um, how well it's received and how well um, how well the, the message messaging is comprehended. So we always do like a pre-questionnaire um, to get an idea that um, from from the the youth that we're working with, um, and, and essentially it, it asks. Uh, questions that are focused on perceptions, perception of harm, perception of peer approval. Um, so, you know, we always do that. And, and then, and at the end of the, the sessions, um, which most of our curriculum are either eight to 10 sessions, um, we do uh, the same questionnaire again, that asks a lot of those same questions. Um, and, and we evaluate, you know, compare um, the, the pre, the pre questionnaire to the post questionnaire and see how those attitudes could have shifted, um, or, or maintained. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's one of those things that they overwhelmingly either stay positive or, um, shift in a positive way. And, and, um, you know, it's one of those things. Prevention is a, can be a challenge at times because it is a very holistic, approach to be successful like it requires a very holistic approach to be successful um you can't just do one thing and expect people's perceptions and um you know social norms to just change because of one curriculum that you do at a school um it it really is a a, a environmental um multi-level multi-sector um uh, discipline that requires a lot of different buy-in from different people and different different levels of society, different levels of family, different levels of local businesses, government, you know, local government, things like that, law enforcement, schools. It, it really does require um, the, the the whole the whole um, society, the whole um, community to come together with with similar messaging um, to have a positive impact. And, and that's one of the great things that, you know, we see when um, we see communities being willing to recognize that certain things that have been socially acceptable for a time um, are shifting more towards, hey, this really has a very negative health impact. Um, just things like smoking ordinances, um, you know, smoking in restaurants, 
Um, you know, those are things that were shown to, to have a negative impact, not just on the individuals that were using, um, you know, tobacco products in, in restaurants, but uh, a big impact was on the workers. Um, you know, so the waitress, the wait staff, the cooks, the um, the busing people, um, you know, they're, they're constantly being exposed to, to this secondhand um, smoke and chemicals and things like that. So you, you see the shift in a positive way about prevention when you start seeing that these things that, again, in the past were socially acceptable and normal um, are now shifting towards, okay, you know, this, this isn't something that we necessarily want, um, not just ourselves when we go to the restaurant to be exposed to, but, you know, we, we want to look out for, for the, the workers um, as well. So we're, we're, we're recognizing the dangers and we're creating protective factors um, to, by, with, with, with laws and ordinances to protect people and shift those, those, what were norms to new norms, mm-hmm. um, again, that have a positive health impact and a positive outlook, um, on, on, um, on individuals and on, on the community. That's really awesome. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to share about the prevention world? Oh, just, you know, just that, um, I'm thankful to be a part of, uh, an organization and um, a a, um, a program that cares so much about the community, that cares so much um, about the the people we work with. That, you know, we, we we care about the schools, we care about the students and the teachers, yes. um, we care about our community partners. It's it's you know it's why we do what we do because we you know we want to to see everyone have the best possible opportunity to to, to grow and thrive, um, and and you know we. Many of us, I think, that are in this work have seen the negative effects of um, the substances that are out there, both um, illicit and legal. Um, and, and we see how much of a, a negative impact they can have on um, individuals, on families, on, on communities. And we, we want to do what we can to, to equip equip our communities to make good, healthy, positive choices and, and reduce that that negative impact. And yeah, I'm just... I'm, very thankful to to be a part of that. Yes, me too. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank well, you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, we'll do this again sometime. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, that about wraps up our episode. As always, if you're wondering how you can help, you can join our coalition meetings. You can also support our youth and family programs with a tax-deductible donation or food gift cards. And if you have any questions, you can email us at info at reachcouncil.org. That's I-N-F-O at R-E-A-C-H-C-O-U-N-C-I-L dot org. Or you can follow us at Reach Council on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks for listening to our show. Stay tuned for ongoing monthly podcasts from our REACH teams on all things prevention and recovery. So remember, life is full of choices, so choose happy and choose healthy. Bye.